This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We've been talking about, I started a new series last week called The Holy Spirit and His Help. Let's pray and we'll jump into it again. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this time. We're thankful for this opportunity. We are appreciative of the, what, the work you've done in our hearts, in our lives. So many of us, Father, wouldn't even be here tonight if it wasn't for you and your grace and your goodness. So we thank you for that. And Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, who is a marvelous teacher, and the ability to enlighten and to show us things. Father, thank you for that. We open our hearts up. We want to learn. We want to grow. We want to receive. We want to be more like you and a blessing to the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. John 14, 16 through 17 was our text scripture. I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Recapping quickly from last week, Jesus, when he said another helper, he meant another of the same kind, another of the same quality. And then he began to talk about the spirit of truth which I believe, and we, again, won't go into it. You can always go and get the, uh, you can download it. You can see it on YouTube, a lot, a lot of different ways. We make that available to you. It's for free. But if you want to catch up on the last week, Spirit of Truth, how important the Spirit of Truth is today because we need to know truth. There's so many things we need to be able to know. Is this the truth? It's not the truth. We can't just, I hope you don't accept everything that comes your way as truth. And so we have to understand, hey, what, what is the truth in this situation? So the spirit of truth. We talked about two ways to approach any kind of biblical topic, the Zacharias way and the Mary way. Remember that? Zacharias was the one with an angel told him some good news. He looked at the angel and went, basically, how do I know you're telling me the truth? He said, how do you, I'm old. My wife's well advanced in years. He said, we're supposed to have a baby. How do I know this is true? And the angel said, wrong answer. And he didn't talk for nine months. And then Mary, who, when the angel said, hey, you're going to have a baby, she said, God, tell me how this is going to happen since I am a virgin. And he just said, power of the Holy Spirit is going to come on you. And she said, great, let it be to me according to your word. So the, one of the best ways to approach a biblical topic is, let it be to me according to your word. In other words, find out what the scriptures say. And so tonight I'm going to give you lots of scriptures. We're always going to go through lots of scriptures. A lot of us have different teaching, different backgrounds, and that's all wonderful and that's all good. But we have to be able to examine what we believe and why we believe it. And you need scripture, not tradition. You need scripture, not the old song. We used to sing the old song. The old song doesn't necessarily mean it's based on scripture. It might be a wonderful song, but it's not necessarily based on scripture. So you need scripture. Around here we have a saying, don't get mad, get scripture. So it's the way. So if what I say kind of goes cross grain to you, don't get angry at me. Just say, I'm going to find some scripture and prove that pastor wrong. <laughs> good. That's actually a good idea. Find scriptures for what you believe. Don't believe it just because I say it. Believe it because it has a scriptural base to it. Does that make sense? So listen, you say, I, I, I'm not infallible. I did a whole teaching one time that was wrong. And had to come back the next week and apologize, not here, this was years ago, and had to come back and apologize. My pastor one time did a whole message on, uh, on Tarzan. He meant to say Samson, but he kept calling him Tarzan through the whole. <laughs> Tarzan's not in the scriptures. So, in result of takeaways from this 
uh, series. We want to learn how to gain a greater respect for the Holy Spirit, to recognize him and, and how he operates and how he works. Because Jesus said, if he's going to give us a helper, we need to know how he helps. And so learning how he helps is important. And then also how to respond to him when he's helping us. Let's talk a little bit tonight about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit didn't just show up in the New Testament. He didn't just show up on the day of Pentecost. He has always been around. So let me give you a, a history tonight of the Old And this is certainly not comprehensive, but it's going to give you a good background of the Holy Spirit. Here's the first time we see him show up is in Genesis 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I don't know about you. I just believe that right there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I don't believe we were an accident. I do not believe it was random. I believe there was a design and a designer, and God created the heavens and the earth, which makes me feel a whole lot better about me because that means I did not evolve from some kind of amoeba. Me and you and all humans were created in the image of God. There's something on the inside of us that says there's something divine in us. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit shows up in Genesis, the first chapter, verse 2. He was there at creation. He was involved in creation, which is one of the reasons he can give us insight into how it took place. People say, I don't, I, you know, people sometimes will question the Bible. I just don't believe that, you know, that man who wrote it could remember all that. Yep, maybe man could remember all that. Moses, who wrote the first five books, wasn't there, but the Holy Spirit was there and has the ability to bring everything back in perfect recall. If you're there, you can bring it back. That's one of the reasons I feel like the scriptures are, are inspired and divine. So the Holy Spirit was there from the beginning. And then we see the Holy Spirit's help for the nation of Israel. Now, this is fascinating. The nation of Israel, is, I'm jumping ahead, obviously a few hundred years, when they're coming out of, actually a few thousand years, maybe even longer, when they're coming out of Egypt, and we begin to see the Holy Spirit show up to help the nation of Israel. And let's look at this passage right here. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now again, we're seeing the Holy Spirit manifested in two different ways, in a cloud and in fire. Purpose for that obviously is for, for guidance and direction. Now, the Holy Spirit manifesting as fire was also evident on the day of Pentecost where you see him show up in tongues of fire. So there's fire there and the cloud, if you go back into the uh, Old Testament when Solomon dedicated the temple, the scripture said that a cloud filled the temple to the point where the, the priest couldn't even stand to minister. In other words, the, 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 the power of God just filled the place and they're falling out all over the place. And so obviously that's, that's a real thing. that You come in, in contact with the Spirit of God, that is a pretty powerful thing. But this one was a pillar of fire at night, a, a pillar of cloud by day. And the whole thing was to guide them. In Numbers, let's, let's take a look at this. In Numbers, this, this verse talks about, now on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, they raised up a, a temporary tabernacle in the wilderness. They've come out of Egypt. They're not in the promised land yet, don't have anything permanent. So they raised up a tabernacle. The cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of testimony from evening until morning. It was above the tabernacle like the appearance of fire. 
So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, after that the children of Israel would journey. So here they are, if you can imagine this, they're going through the desert and they're going through wilderness. And at night when they would, when they would camp and pitch their tents, there was like a pillar of fire above the tabernacle, which had to be cool. And then the next day, the pillar of fire is gone and they see a cloud. Now, the interesting thing about the cloud was, as long as that cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they wouldn't move. But when the cloud moved, they would move. If you read a little bit further on in, in, in this passage, uh, and it says that if the cloud stayed for a day or a month or a year, they wouldn't move. So it's interesting that they would come out, you, you imagine they would come out in the morning, they would wake up in the morning, and probably the first thing they would do is look and go, okay, still there. So they knew not to pack everything up. But if they came out in the morning, they went, oh, it's moved. Everything starts packing up, and they would go. That's how God led them through the wilderness. Wouldn't that have been neat to watch that? We've got a better deal. We've got a better deal. First Corinthians says this. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Hey, hey listen, guys. I, don't, I just don't want the cloud way out there somewhere. I like the fact that the, power, the Spirit of God lives in us. And the wonderful thing about living, don't ever say, oh, I wish I was back in the day of Moses. No, you don't. You don't want to be back in that day. You'd be bringing goats to church and, and sheep and, and cattle and killing stuff. No, you don't want that. You don't want that. Jesus paid one, one sacrifice with his blood, shed it forever. No more killing goats and sheep and stuff. We don't have to do that. We've been cleansed by that. So we don't have to, and no having to keep all these laws and things and washings and stuff that you could never keep. Thank God we've been delivered from that. But thank God the Spirit of God now doesn't reside over the tabernacle. He lives in us. And the good news is if he led the children of Israel, he will also lead us. That means we have the ability to be led by the Spirit of God. The thing about it is we just have to be able, we have to be willing to look and to check and to know when he is leading. Have you ever had a hunch? Instead of you, maybe you call it a hunch where you just, you had to make a decision and you knew, man, if I do this, it is not going to work out well. Ever, anyone ever had that happen? And then you did it anyway? And after you did it, what did you say? I knew that was going to happen. I knew. We're going to find out, that, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit more. That's often that sense of, of that, that hunch. We call it a hunch. It, the, the scriptures call it a witness of the Spirit. That God doesn't come down. I think a lot of times people are waiting for God to come down, maybe with an angel, with a flaming scroll, with a this is what you should do. As opposed to that, what we have is the Holy Spirit inside of us, and the Bible says he can bear witness as to which way we're to go. When I walked in Lakewood Church many, many years ago, I lived a long way away. I lived in Clear Lake City, and I drove up to Lakewood Church when it was back on Wayside Drive. And the minute I walked in, this was in the old Lakewood. Old Lakewood was, the, actually, church was in the round. This was in the early 80s, and church was in the round. And when I, when I went there, the moment I walked in, it was a long way away. It was like 40 miles up the Gulf Freeway. And it just, 
But when, as soon as I walked in, I knew this is where I'm supposed to be. I walked in and felt like this is home. I tell people, a lot of people have said the same thing about here. Many of you could probably testify you walked in the church and went, yeah, this is it. This is it. I tell people, say, how, how, do I, how do I know whether or not I'm supposed to go to this church or not? Church? Well, one, I think God can lead us. The Bible said the Lord's our shepherd. And he doesn't just say, well, you go to church wherever you want to go. Doesn't matter. Find something close. I believe he's a little bit more precise than that. I believe he's a little more interested in us than that. And I believe he, has, he can lead us. And I've had so many people say, I, would, I just walked into place. I didn't even hear you preach, which was good. <laughs> I just walked into place and felt like home. You felt comfortable. You felt like, hmm, this is it. If you're sitting there going, I don't like this place and it feels horrible. Well, you're probably in the wrong place. Hey, we don't, we don't work for everybody. Come on, we know that. But you, got, you go to a place that feels like home. When you walk in, you go, yeah, this is good. This is good. Is any church perfect? Mm-hmm. No, there's not a perfect one. And if there is, don't you go. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have fun tonight. All right. We got a better covenant than Israel had. We don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in a cloud. We have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. It's a marvelous thing. He was the empowering force, the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to the Old Testament. He was the empowering force behind the Old Testament heroes. This will help you. I look sometimes at at people like David and Daniel and some of these guys, and I'm like, man, these guys are amazing. They fought giants. They stood down kings. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego looked at the king and said, no, we're not going in that fire. I mean, if we do, God will get us out. I mean, the boldness. And you, and you think, these guys are superheroes. They're amazing. But when we begin to find out what their secret is, it doesn't make them so amazing. It makes their God so amazing. And that's the same God that lives in us which makes us amazing. <laughs> you ought to go, before you go to bed, I just look at the mirror and go, you are amazing. <laughs> oh, some of you are going to have a hard time with that. <laughs> but wouldn't it be good to value what God values? And if he paid such an awesome price for us and cleansed us and enabled us for the, his Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us, the only thing we ought to say about ourselves is good things. Thank you, Lord. You've done a good work in me. I'm not the way I used to be. You know, people sometimes get upset when I talk about my past life. It's like, what is your problem? What, what, really, what is your problem? Do you not understand the power of God's redemptive work? That it, what, it, what I used to be doesn't, doesn't bother me at all. Bothers my mama when I talk about smoking dope and, and, and drinking stuff. <laughs> It, but it shouldn't bother you because all of us were at some place, at the place where we had to say, God, I need your help. I need your life. I need, I need to come. Now, some of you, some of you, uh, granted, some of you raised in church, came to Christ at an early age, never walked away. 
I've heard people say, like, I don't have much of a testimony. You got a great testimony. Your great testimony is you didn't have to get in darkness. You didn't have to go through a hard time. You didn't have to hit a pit. You didn't have to do stuff that you would now be ashamed of. You lived, man, you lived well. That's a great testimony. But for those of us who have a little bit more scenic route, (laughs) it's still a great testimony. That the man that used to be, the man that wouldn't share his weed and share his beer with anybody else has died. That man doesn't live anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. So I don't feel bad. I hadn't smoked weed in 40 years. We're good. All right? We're good. People are like, is Pastor going back to weed? No, he's not. (laughs) Goodness. David was empowered before he faced Goliath. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 16. And Samuel, remember when Samuel went to anoint David to be king? He said, he took a horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. David must not have been so incredibly awesome that when Samuel showed up, he had seven brothers ahead of him. When Samuel showed up and said, where are all your boys? They said, well, we're all here. They forgot him. They're like, oh yeah. Number eight. What's his name? David. Yeah, David. He's out there with the sheep. They forgot him. If he'd been the sterling standout of all these brothers, they wouldn't have forgot him. So when did David become amazing? Obviously, he had a good heart. But then when the Spirit of God came on him, enabled him to stand down a giant, to face Philistines, to, to, to stay in contact with God. Listen, David is not so amazing. The Spirit of God on David was amazing. Sometimes we make too big of a deal over the people instead of the God who empowers the people. So the idea is, man, David, yeah, great. David, gifted talented, wonderful. Where do you think all that gifting and talent came from? It came from God to begin with. So, you know, here's the the deal. I I get a kick out of this occasionally. I have people come up and they're like, oh man, you're the most awesome, awesome preacher ever. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not. You're, You're incredible. It's like, no, I'm not. I'm a messenger. I represent somebody who's incredible. And the one who who has graced me to do this is incredible. But I'm not incredible. I'm just a guy. And if it wasn't for the Spirit of God on my life to be a pastor, I couldn't be a pastor. People say, did you just choose this as a vocation? (laughs) No. Why would you do that on purpose? (laughs) But if God gives you the ability and the grace to do it, It's the best job in the world. I love it. But there's grace there. There's an empowering there. We don't don't get caught up in the person. Because when you get caught up sometimes in the person, oh, they're amazing. They're so awesome. They're amazing. No, no, no. God in you is is what's amazing. David was empowered. Remember Gideon? The story of Gideon? When the angel finds Gideon, he's hiding. He's hiding and the angel said, you're a mighty man of valor. And he goes, oh, my God. He really did. Oh, my Lord. 
if God's with us, then why are we having all these problems and God's abandoned us? And, and the angel said, go in this might of yours. You're going to save Israel. And he's like, how can I save Israel? I'm the weakest in my family. My family, we ain't got no standing. We're the poorest in the, in the whole county. And you're looking at, this is God's deliverer? In fact, he said, I want you, angel said, I need you to tear down the altar of Baal that's in your backyard right by the gazebo. Get rid of it. So he goes and tears the altar of Baal down. But he did it at night because he was afraid. And when everybody came and said, who tore this down? They said, Gideon. So they come knocking on his door. Gideon won't even answer it. He sends his daddy out. Dad's like, what y'all want? Oh, we want Gideon. He tore the, uh, he tore the altar of Baal down. His dad went, if Baal's a god, let him handle his own stuff. This guy is not a bold person until the Bible said the Spirit of God came on him. And when the Spirit of God came on him, he blew a trumpet, gathered the whole country together, wound up fighting a major fight with 300 people. How in the world do you go from being chicken to, to face your neighbors because you tore an altar down to taking on an army with 300 people. He got empowered. Here's the last one. This, one. this one will really help you. If you've ever seen anything of Hollywood, when Hollywood does Samson, you ever notice he's all jacked? <laughs> Samson, well, big. Samson's big. Samson wasn't big. Samson was empowered. Look at this. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. He tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat. Although he did nothing, had nothing in his hand, but he didn't tell his father or his mother what he'd done. If you ever notice, every time you see Samson doing something, you see the Spirit of God coming on him. And then he does, like he, he one time he just went out and killed 30 people. The Spirit of God came on him. These were the, the enemies, the Philistines. And so you see, him, you see him operating under the Spirit of God. If Samson, listen, if Samson was this big, hulking monster of a guy, why would they have paid Delilah to find out the secret of his strength? If he was huge, everyone would go, wow. Like I said, if it's raining, you're in the ark. You are safe. The, uh, why, if Samson was a monster-sized guy, there's no need to find out the... <laughs> I believe we're safe. <laughs> we're good. D does that make sense? Understanding that, say, a lot of times we read this and we make heroes out of these people without realizing the source of their power. And the source of their power was... The Holy Spirit empowered them to do that. Now, in the Old Testament, you see the Holy Spirit come on the prophet, the priest, the king. He would also come upon workmen to get things done. And so he, he would, would give skill. But again, if you'll go back, as you, as you start to look at these Bible stories again, notice that there's an empowering by the Holy Spirit. And the reason I keep saying that is because this is where we have to recognize his working has been, he's been working in the earth. Now, the prophets talked about it. And they talked about what would, would happen. And so it says here in Isaiah, let's, let's look at the first thing that this uh, passage in Isaiah said. The Spirit of the Lord, just talking about Jesus, 
The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. So it's, again, giving you some insight, giving us insight as to how the Holy Spirit operates. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, might. So the beautiful thing about this is that he still has wisdom for you. Now, here's, here's where we have to make the jump from just reading about something in Scripture and seeing that this applies to us. And during this whole thing, that's, that, that's, the, that's the whole crux of this, is that you will begin to take those Scriptures and begin to say, hey, this is the Spirit of God who's in me. And he has wisdom. And he has understanding. And he has counsel. And he has might. Listen, if he helped David face down giants, will he help you face down giants? Yes. If he, if he empowered Gideon to get over his fear of people, can he empower you to get over your fears or anything that's going on? And if he strengthened Samson to physically do things, can he strengthen you? So that becomes then the question that you'll have to answer. And as you see the Holy Spirit and as you begin to recognize, oh, he can do some really good things in me. He can, he can produce some wonderful things. That's why Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit's not going to come. But if I, if I go, I'm going to send him to you. Does that make sense? So where this really begins to kick in is when you begin to realize, hey, hey, wait a minute. The Holy Spirit lives in me. And he can help me. I've said this for a long time. I'm going to keep saying it. When it becomes personal, it becomes powerful. So the Holy Spirit living in, and then we also see, what's that next verse here? Another prophet was talking about the Spirit of God. Ezekiel, I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Ezekiel is prophesying about a day. He's prophesying about the day that we live in. You've heard me say over and over again in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's what? A new creation. This is what God was talking about. He said, I'll give him a new spirit. And, and the spirit of God can live in us. Now, you, you don't, that's not something to be afraid of. That's actually something to be glad about. Because the spirit of God living in us has the ability to help us amazingly number of years, well, uh, Joy was pregnant with Matthew. He was a surprise, as he has continued to be. For, for, <laughs> but uh, we, never, we, we didn't know he was coming, and, and, and uh, Joy went in because she felt like she had a cold or something. And, and they had just come out with those um, home pregnancy tests. And Joy called me in the bow, and never forget that the where she said, Alan, you come in here. I thought I was going to have to kill a spider or something. But it was a home pregnancy test, and she said, we're pregnant. I went, you're kidding. So we went to the doctor, and sure enough, the doctor confirmed it. So we start going back to this, this doctor, and one day, he's looking at, at Joy, and he says, I can't find a heartbeat on this child. I, you know, there are some memories that are just etched in my mind. The look on her face when she looked at me 
I will never forget. And we went home. They were going to send us back to the hospital that night. We went home and we prayed. We called some friends and we prayed. And we went to the hospital that night to take, this was before, uh, this is 82, 83, 83. And they didn't have a lot of the, the, uh, the, in, the ultrasounds that weren't as clear, but in the hospital they had a good one. And so we, we went and they pulled Joy around. They started working with her. And they, they called me. They said, Mr. Clayton, would you come here, please? And if I've ever heard the voice of the, I didn't hear an audible voice, but if I've ever heard a voice, I've, I heard something that said, you're going to see a dead child. And I remember something just rose up in me. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And I stepped around. I'll never forget, in, on, the, on the screen there, was little Matthew going up and down and all around. And right then, knew he was a boy and knew he was going to be okay. How would I know that? How would I do, he was so small you couldn't tell if he was a boy or not. But you know the Holy Spirit knows these things and can tell you these things? You got time for another quick story? If it's, you don't want to get wet anyway, so listen. <laughs> so now Joy's pregnant again with Christina. And we didn't know it was Christina. They could not make up their minds what, what she was. They're like, I think it's a boy. No, I don't know. It's a I don't know. But Joy's due date came. It was, it was Valentine's Day. And Christina did not come. Baby did not come. Joy was not happy. Joy is really a patient woman until due date. <laughs> I think I paid the doctor the last time. Whatever that due date is, just push it way back. Boy, she hit that due date, and she's like, oh, we're going to have this baby. So we went to the park to walk this child out. I got a little two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old Matthew, and I'm, I'm, I'm walking with him, and Joy is walking. Man, she, she's walking. She's walking and just walking. Boy, she's intent. And I'm just playing with Matt. And I leaned down to, to play with Matt, and all of a sudden, I knew. It's a girl. She'll be born on the 17th. She weighs six pounds, seven ounces. So when Joy came around again, I went, hey, we'd go now. I said, it's a girl. She's going to be born on the 17th, which was a couple days, six pounds, seven ounces. Joy said, let's go. We went home. Sure enough, here we, here we go. We're, we're at, the, at the time, I think, I think it's Lamaz Methodian. <laughs> Joy's doing all that, and finally I'm just like, epidural for the lady on the table, please. Can we, can we just... And uh, a nurse came in. She looked at she, and she came in. She was one of these tough nurses. She walked in, and she went, well, it's probably, a, probably just an ornery old boy. <laughs> just out of my mouth. I didn't think about it. Should have, but I didn't. I said, no, it's a girl. She weighs six pounds, seven ounces. Well, when she was born... Pretty simple to figure out that I was right on the girl part. <laughs> she looked at me. She said, let's weigh her. I said, let's. And we, we walked in there. She did some kind. She looked at me. She said, six pounds, seven ounces. I said, told you. <laughs> we walked back out, and I, I became the hit of that floor. They were like, I saw these nurses talking. Finally, one said, are you a Virgo? 
I said no, but I was born under the sign of the cross. That kind of shut that party down real quick. But Here's the deal. People say, well, you're a psychic. I'm not a psychic. Never have been a psychic. But the spirit of God who lives in me is a spirit of wisdom and understanding and counsel. And Jesus said, he'll even show you things to come. I'm not, I'm not a psychic. Don't, if you're pregnant, don't come up and ask me what it's going to be and how much you don't ask me. I don't know. But the Holy Spirit helped us because my wife was about it and it brought peace to our home. And it shook the hospital a little bit on that. At least, at least the nurses had a, had a lady to me. She said, I'm a Christian too. I wanted to go, good, why are we whispering about it? I... The same Spirit of God that lives in me is the one that lives in you. And he can help you figure out what's going on with your child who's flunking fourth grade. He can help you figure out what's happening on your job that needs to change. He's good. And he's a helper. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We appreciate it. Appreciate your goodness to us. And appreciate the fact that your spirit lives on the inside of us. What a wonderful privilege that is. Thank you for that. The riches of that, Father, we have barely even tapped into that. But thank you for revealing it to us. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, Alan, I've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life, but I'd really like to do that. Or you say, I've done that, but I've gotten away from him, and I know it, and he knows it, but I really don't want to live that way. I want to come back. If that's you, we're going to say a prayer. I won't have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come to the front. But right sitting in your seat, if you're saying, that's one of those situations applies to me, Alan, would you pray for me? Just quickly slip your hand up across the auditorium. Say, that's me that you're talking to. Thank you. Thanks. Yes, thanks, 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 thanks. Gotcha. Thank you. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand in one or two, you can still jump in. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer come out of darkness into your marvelous light. And Father, for those who've come back home, we rejoice with them and rejoice at what you're doing in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.